a new conductor for the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra. I'm Bob Cudmore. This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590. Also heard on 100.5, listened to in the North Country on 1410 and 96.9. Joining us today is conductor and composer Glenn Cortese, who has begun his first season as artistic director of the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra, which puts on concerts at Proctor's Theater in Schenectady and other venues. Maestro Cortese succeeds longtime Schenectady Symphony music director Charles Schneider, who retired last October. I attended your first concert as uh, artistic director, all Mozart program. I really did enjoy it. A lot happened there, I thought. The orchestra, soloists from the orchestra, solo piano, you playing the piano, uh, vocalists and performers from Skidmore and the College of uh, St. Rose. Were you pleased with uh, that first concert? Very much so. I thought the orchestra really rose to quite a high level, to, considering it was our first time really uh, to work together in this new relationship. And um, I was very pleased with the uh, collaborations with the two local colleges. I thought we had a really great uh, program put together, so it, I was very pleased. How does uh, this come together, uh, let's say a concert of the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra? Like, how, uh, When do you rehearse with these folks and so forth? Well, we rehearse the week of the concert, and that can vary on which days of the week, depending on what the schedule is at uh, uh, Proctor's um, with availability for rehearsal space. And then we have the dress rehearsal uh, the day before the concert and then the performance. Mm. In October, the orchestra performed at the smaller GE Theater at Proctor's. Your next concert is coming up Sunday, January 26th, 3 p.m., the main stage at Proctor's, and it's called Just Another Variation. Can you tell us about that concert? Yes, this this concert's... Uh, I, I like to program with what I call the it, if you're not careful, you might learn something approach to making music. And <laughs> um, what, what I've tried to accomplish with this concert was looking at the variation form in music in a bunch of different ways. Um, we have music of Leonard Bernstein here. There are three... Um, dance variations from Fancy Free, and uh, which is, of course, a ballet, and they're very free variations in terms of how they treat material um, that Bernstein used in the work, so I would call that free variations. Then we're doing the Tchaikovsky Rococo variations with um, uh, our solo cellist, Natasha Farney, and the Tchaikovsky is a work that's a very strict kind of variation piece where you have a theme that's varied in a very recognizable way from one movement to the next. Mm -hmm. So it's a more traditional look at the variation form. And finally, in the great Brahms Fourth Symphony, the final movement has a passacaglia, which is a um, steady chord and bass progression that goes on, and the material is varied around that. So it takes a very old form that was used during the Baroque period, but sets it in an extremely... Uh, large romantic work uh, in, a, in a way that only Brahms can do. I'd like to put in a plug for your pre-concert talk. I, that was a, a tradition I know that Chuck Schneider, uh, I don't know if he started it, but he did it, and it was always very good, and you've continued that, and uh, you really, uh, it seems like you're quite a teacher. You really do, do explain a lot about the, uh, the concert you were about to hear. Well, I think for, for anybody with whatever they're going to experience in terms of art, 
they can experience as it is with no information at all and enjoy it. But if they have some information before they go to experience it, they can enjoy it at even a deeper level. And I try to um, provide as much information as I can, keeping it interesting but also keeping it um, entertaining because, after all, this music that we perform is all by people. And I think their lives and what they were doing at the time they wrote it, how it affected their life, how it affected other people's lives, is even more interesting than how the music is put mm-hmm. together itself. And that kind of background, I believe, provides a deeper level of enjoyment for people that then hear the concert. We're talking with Glenn Cortese. He is artistic director of the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra. In addition to conducting, you're also a composer of music. And the third concert of the season uh, for the Schenectady Symphony is coming up in March, Sunday, March 22nd at Proctor's. And one of your pieces, A Game Called, will be performed. Can you tell us about that work? Sure. Uh, It's a narrated work, and the reason I put it on this concert was it's paired with um, Copeland's Lincoln Portrait, which is a narrated work. And I call it my Lincoln Portrait of Baseball, if you will. Hmm. Um, I'm a baseball fanatic. I grew up as a Yankees fan going to my first game when I was four and a half years old and um, have always wanted to somehow meld the idea of classical concert music with baseball, which there's a few pieces out there that do that, but not many. And um, I chose some text by a sports writer named Grantland Rice, who also wrote poetry. And um, he wrote this beautiful poem about Babe Ruth when he passed away uh, in memoriam, and later reset the poem to be more uh, general about baseball and about baseball players and their lives. Um, so I took that text and put it together with a narrated work. Um, it has a long musical introduction, and then the narration and the music coexist together until the end of the piece. Hmm. You uh, will continue to be uh, the artistic director of the Western New York Chamber Orchestra. Uh, where is that located in Western New York? Well, the Western New York Chamber Orchestra is in residence. We're the professional ensemble in residence at SUNY Fredonia. So we perform in Fredonia. We perform quite a bit in Buffalo, uh, Jamestown, so the sort of southern tier areas where the orchestra um, does concerts. And we collaborate with a lot of local arts organizations there, the Chautauqua Regional Youth Ballet, um, the choirs at SUNY Fredonia. We also have a residency at uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Buffalo and collaborate with their music director and choir as well. So we we are sort of the portable orchestra in the Buffalo area, if you will. Okay. Um, I'm going to get into your uh, background in some detail, I think, but I'm just impressed by... um, Conductor people. I mean, again, um, I guess I'm going to bring up Chuck's name again, Chuck Schneider. I mean, I got to know him over the years, and you know, he was always here and there and and everywhere. And so were you. I mean, this—if you're going to be a, a, a symphony orchestra conductor, you've got to be willing to travel. I guess that's how the business works. Yes. Uh, sometimes, if you're conductor of a large enough orchestra, in terms of the season and budget size, you'll make a home in that place and then commute to other places from there. But a lot of my professional life has been spent commuting to different orchestras that I work with regularly and orchestras that I guest conduct, and that ranges anywhere from South America to Europe to Asia. It just really depends on the project and what's going on. Mm. But your home base is in New York City? Correct. Are you from there originally? I grew up in northern New Jersey in Bergen County, which is very close to New York, and I moved here when I was 19 years old. Um, 
when I was in school, and I've lived here ever since. So it's been uh, quite a while now. I've long passed the 30-year mark that they say you need to be here to officially be a New Yorker if you weren't born here. <laughs> <laughs> about that? Um, also, did you you went to did you go to school at the Manhattan School of Music? I did. I have both, um, or all three of my degrees there. I transferred there from Montclair State University. I was there for one year as a piano major, then switched to composition. Um, spent a year um, taking independent classes at Juilliard and then wound up uh, back in the degree program at Manhattan School, finishing my undergraduate degree, my master's degree, my doctorate. Our guest is Glenn Cortese, the new conductor and artistic director of the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra. In addition to uh, getting all of your musical degrees at the Manhattan School of Music, you've also... um, Done, done stuff with them, right, over the years? Well, after I graduated from there, I was hired back two years later as the uh, conductor of the orchestra program there. I was director of orchestral studies and then eventually became principal conductor there, and I, I spent 12 years in that job from 1988 to 2000. And it was a, a wonderful experience where I got to work with incredibly talented students. Uh, during that period of time, I was also an assistant conductor cover at the New York Philharmonic for a few years. So I got to to witness you know, all these incredible musicians and conductors come through um, in a very intimate way where I was able to watch rehearsals and also then um, conduct the orchestras at Manhattan School and, re- and run the program there, which was very large at the time. We had three orchestras, a chamber orchestra and two full symphony-sized orchestras, and I was responsible for the production of 21 different events a year and conducted a large majority of those. So it was a really intense, wonderful, busy job um, that I enjoyed for quite a long time. What, um, can you tell us a bit about the Manhattan School of Music? I mean, I presume you wanted to go there. Why did you want to go there as opposed to somewhere else? Well, it's it's one of the three um, conservatories in New York City. There's the Juilliard School, the Manus School of Music, and Manhattan School of Music. And at the time, I was studying composition, and the faculty at Manhattan had people on it that I felt were better suited for what I wanted to, to learn and what I wanted to do with the music I was writing at the time. It was an environment that I felt comfortable in, and uh, it, it provided the education that I needed. I had wonderful teachers there and um, really enjoyed my student years there. And uh, Glenn Cortese was with us, artistic director of the Schenectady Symphony, uh, conductor, of, of course, but also a composer. And we talked about that in the f- first uh, segment. But w- how would you divide that? I mean, are you seventy uh, percent a conductor and thirty percent a composer, or do you see composing as what you really want to accomplish here? It it really depends on what I'm doing at the time, what projects are going on in the time of the year. I typically don't conduct much in the summer. That's a time that I spend writing more and practicing the piano. Um, but it depends if there's a, a really special opportunity in the summertime I'll uh, to conduct. Uh, a couple summers I was invited to conduct some operas that I wanted to do. So it, it really depends. But I would say it's about an equal split. Um, which one is weighted more at whatever time depends on what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, how did uh, you get into conducting and composing. I mean, you uh, study, you what, you played the uh, trumpet in high school, but the piano is your instrument. Had you started out being mainly a, a, a piano a pianist? Yes, I, I was. my first year in school, I was a piano major at Montclair State University, but 
did a lot of um, composing and arranging, especially when I was in high school, and always had an interest in that. And the piano teacher I had at the time really encouraged that part of my ability. Um, sent me to a friend in New York who was a composition teacher. I started working with him, and he suggested that I start applying to the uh, to the schools there because he thought I had the talent and ability to do so. So I switched my major from piano to composition and then finished all my degrees in composition. Conducting started as a sideline because I was very interested in performing still and didn't have the time to practice the way that a serious pianist needs to practice, which is many, many hours a right, day, right. Um, and also write music. So um, I got very interested in conducting, worked with a wonderful conductor named David Gilbert, who conducts the Greenwich Symphony. He was uh, one of my early teachers, and... Um, started to have some opportunities to conduct new music of my own music and fellow composers uh, at Manhattan School and at a couple of summer music festivals, and that started my conducting portion of my career, um, and it grew out of that. So it really all started with new music and then eventually got into conducting traditional repertoire and um, became a serious part of my activity. Let me go back to composing for a while. What are some of, some of the works you've done? You talked about the one that you're going to um, that's going to be performed by the Schenectady Symphony uh, this year. And you, you've received some accolades, right, awards for for your uh, compositions? Yes, I, I've received a few. Um, the Burns Prize from Columbia University twice when I was a young composer, um, several grants from New York State, uh, various grants from composition organizations like the American Composers Forum. Um, so a bunch along the way, but I would say that my music is very varied. I write for the concert stage, I write for chamber ensembles, I've written a lot of music for voice uh, and piano, just songs uh, and song cycles, um, a little bit of uh, film music and incidental music for uh, drama, and um, even some uh, commercial music along the way. But the, the majority of it is uh, concert music for the stage in the, in the classical arena. The news release about your appointment in uh, Schenectady uh, indicated that you will, it, maybe this would be quite naturally uh, something you would do, would you plan to bring in new music uh, to the programming of uh, of the Schenectady Symphony? Yes, uh, the Schenectady Symphony has a pretty uh, rich tradition of performing newer works, and I, I intend to continue that. Um, but new works don't always mean brand new. They can also mean works that are um, from the past, but uh, often less performed, which are terrific works, and just for some reason never made it into the canon of the 150 works that get performed by classical mm-hmm. orchestras constantly. Um, and I, I find that really interesting uh, for audiences, too, to bring in a piece of Strauss, let's say, that they've really never been that familiar with. Um, so I like to to change that up and bring in new things and different things. Um, I've also often picked uh, themes for seasons so that the entire season has some kind of thematic overarching element and then program the music along the way that supports that idea. And I think that's fascinating for the audience where they have this sort of idea in mind that, for example, um, a while back there was a Shakespeare uh, anniversary year, so I did an all-Shakespeare season with the orchestra I was conducting in Colorado, and almost every work on every concert had some relationship to Shakespeare, whether it was based on text of Shakespeare or depicted Shakespeare's works. Um, 
So I think that's kind of a, a fascinating way to bring in new ideas and new music and new programming. Do you have a theme for this uh, season at Schenectady Symphony? Well, this this season we're we're doing more themes by concerts because we had to put the season together very quickly. I only found out that I was offered the job in June at the end of their search, and we had to put all this together in about five or six weeks, so it was pretty okay. quick. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're already now figuring out what we're doing next year, and um, I won't talk about what that theme is yet, but uh, it will be a bit more based on that kind of idea. And as you know, I'm sure, uh, the Capital District is blessed with uh, not just one, but two uh, professional symphony orchestras. There's the Albany Symphony, uh, conducted by David Allen Miller, and they're also known for doing new works. Do you know him? I do know David, yes. We, we've known each other for many, many years. I, we don't connect in our careers that often, but we have run into one another, and uh, we know who who we are. So, I asked you before how it, you, know, you rehearse with the orchestra before you have a performance. Uh, we're finding out who you are, but who are the members of the Schenectady Symphony, and are they paid to perform? Most of them are paid to perform. Some are very high-level uh, amateurs that volunteer for the orchestra. Um, they are professional musicians that perform and teach in multiple orchestras around the, the area. Um, some of them are music teachers. Some of them have uh, other jobs but are professional musicians part-time where they take freelance work. So it's a, it's a kind of a collective of different people. Um, we have a steady roster of people who are our normal players, but with any per-service orchestra, occasionally you have someone who can't make a concert because they've been offered another opportunity or something's going on in their life, so we will have substitutes. But that's typical for an orchestra the, the size of the Schenectady Symphony. Your uh, uh, professional bi- biography has you know, a lot of stuff in it, a small uh, print to get it all on one page. So let me just ask you, I mean, uh, you've performed in America, performed in other countries. What are some of the highlights of your uh, conducting career so far? You know, that's a, it's an interesting question. I get that question often, and it's always hard to answer because I think that that highlights in a career have to do with how things affect you and how you're affecting other people. And I would say, you know, some of the most satisfying things I've done can range from uh, a New Year's Eve concert for peace that I used to perform at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine every year for 15 years, where 3,000 3, to 3,500 New Yorkers would come and celebrate through music and, and prayer, um, kind of a, a start to the new year. Um, a series of children's concerts I did in Austin, Texas once with the Austin Symphony where we performed for thousands and thousands of local students within the period of a few days where you're really reaching a lot of people. Um, so it really varies. Some, sometimes there are artistic triumphs where you feel you, something's gone in a way that you never expected it would go that well. Um, it supersedes your expectations, and sometimes it has to do with who you're reaching and how many people you're reaching and the effect you're having on people's lives. So I don't think there's any particular highlight. I think it has to do with what's going on at the time and how you feel that particular project is um, having its effect, its desired effect. So um, I would say everything could be uh, a high point if you um, if it meets your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um it's hard to point out anything, one thing in particular. I'm just uh, fascinated by some of the words or the way they describe um, 
what orchestras in Europe. Uh, for example, I see here you've conducted, I believe, the National Romanian Radio Orchestra. You know, I, somehow I, I don't see uh, like ABC Television or Fox News having an orchestra. Well, radio orchestras were um, a long, long-standing tradition in Europe, and um, it, they still have that name now. They do do some broadcasting of live concerts, but it's not the way it used to be. But we also have to put things in historical perspective. I mean, there was an NBC orchestra here in the yeah, United yeah, States that yeah, yeah. Um, broadcast concerts, and um, television came later, and radio was really the form of entertainment for most people in their home uh, and a piano, by the way. Many, many people had pianos at home. That was a very typical thing to see. Um, in the golden age of piano making, there were hundreds of piano manufacturers in the in the tri-state area. So radio and pianos were the entertainment for people, and having broadcasts of symphonic music um, was a typical thing that happened in Europe, less in the United States, because the traditional classical music here really was transplanted from Europe um, and uh, I think in this country, it, it's definitely an artistic experience, but it's also, I would say, more towards entertainment than it ever became part of our culture mm-hmm. as it is in Europe because the tradition is so much longer. So it's probably why um, the radio orchestra did, tradition didn't really establish itself here in a way that it did uh, in Europe, but there there okay. were many orchestras in the U.S. that yeah. did broadcast their concerts and sometimes still do. You've been listening to Magic 590's Talk of the Town, also heard on 100.5 and 96.9 and 1410 in the North Country. Our guest, Glenn Cortese, the new conductor and artistic director of the Schenectady Symphony Orchestra. Their next concert will be Sunday, January 26th, 3 p.m., Proctor's Theater in Schenectady. This episode of Talk of the Town can be heard as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.